go get your badge. Colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello, John. Mahalo. Yeah, ma- oh, uh, mahalo. Yeah, uh, yeah. What was it? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Why am I hearing myself? Is it coming through yours, or is this? I'm not used to this. Anyway, here we go. Thank you so much. Mahalo and Iloa. Mahalo, Ialoa. Now, I have, in 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 Hawaiian language, is e the word for an just like it is with Spanish? I have no idea. Yeah, I won't pretend to know. Okay. <laughs> mahalo, Ialoa. Okay. Cool. I now know Hawaiian. Yeah. I do believe that some of their terms are not necessarily, they're based on context, not, so, like, the same word can be just, to be used the same thing for, like, say, a hello or a goodbye. Or yeah. Like it's like, you know, you guys can invent more words for these things. You don't have to just. <laughs> That's just overcomplicated. Have, just keep it simple. You look up a, a Hawaiian word in the dictionary and it's 82 different definitions with all this context information. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's in December and it's a woman under 30 saying it, then it means this. But if it's like, what? Let's <laughs> yeah, confuse the AI. Yeah, exactly. Oh, AI, John. AI. There will be no programming jobs in five years. That's a lie. Yeah. What about all those poor kids who we taught to is code? It, is that a 100% lie, or is, it, is there a partial truth there, do you think? That's no, 100% lie. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. That's what all the kids say nowadays. 100. 100. 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> That's what I say when I complete a game, 100 it. Man, I'm learning all these weird things that kids say nowadays. I don't understand them at all. Oh, like fit? Because say, saying one extra syllable is too much? You're like an outfit. They're yeah. fit. Yeah. Um, there's so many things. Like cap. What is cap? Cap means something? Like it's cool or something? I don't know. It's, I don't know. My soccer season hasn't started, so I'm not in the lingo uh, yet. You're behind. I'm behind. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's starting soon, and I'll, I'll get back into the lingo. Mm. That's where I learned it all is from those kids. Yeah. <laughs> Like bet that was a new one. <laughs> oh, bet yeah. What does that mean? I, 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 uh, it just it, it's like I agree now. It means all, like yeah, cool, or I agree, bet, or, or bet, sure, bet. or huh. gotcha. Why? Wait, all these words we mentioned so far—they're all three-letter words. Oh, Fit, yeah. bet, cap. What's what's going on? They have they all have to be quick, snappy. Oh, textable, very textable, very textable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so old. So to the to the point we were just talking about right before we hit the record button, I had a colonoscopy this week. <laughs> That's how old I am. <laughs> it's time, John. Have yeah, you had yours done? done? I have not. Uh oh. You know they have this new thing where you poop in a box and send it in. I'd rather go not, in. It's, yeah, it, it's not. I, and I get it. Like uh, you know, people who are either don't want to do the colonoscopy or whatever. Like it's the poop in the box is better than nothing. But the colonoscopy is the old standard because if they find a little what do they call them polyp or whatever they can just right then and that's something that wouldn't show up in the poop in the box for years down the road hmm. and as we all know early early detection is is the best prevention right? it is it is so anyway um well john we are um gosh, go actually... get your colonoscopies <laughs> <laughs> yes <sighs> Go get your badge. Colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my.
my gosh. This is uh, this is the, the PSA show for old folks. Yeah. And I don't. I'm not even talking about a prostate thing. I'm talking about a uh, what is it called? What does PSA stand for? Um, public service announcement. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do they don't do those anymore? Do they? Uh, no, not really. Well, I mean, no one watches TV, so. Yeah, I was going to say they might, but I don't watch a lot of regular TV, so. Ooh, this beer's good. I have a lot of services that that I pay extra to skip ads. You try this? Yeah, it's good. This is, uh, so John and I are drinking, um, it's from Celestial Beer Works here in Dallas, Texas. And this one's called Perception. And it's, um, it's a West Coast India Pale Ale with Comet, Centennial, and Citra Cryo. Cryo is when they take the hop and instead of like pelletizing it and these little pellets, which is the way most breweries get this, they um they somehow cryo freeze it mm-hmm. and they're able to extract like a way higher percentage of the all the flavor compounds versus like just the vegetal stuff that's not ideal. So are they freezing it then mashing it? Uh, something like that. I don't <clears throat> I don't know I don't I don't know the details of the process, but it's definitely cryo frozen. Like on site, like within a couple of hours of harvesting. Okay. Yeah. And they just get, yeah. And it takes like half as much of the, it takes like half as much cryo hops as it does traditional pelletized hops to get the same like level of hoppiness. Because you're leaving all that vegetal crap behind. What do you mean leaving it behind? It just, it doesn't make it like this. The cryo hop product that you buy mm-hmm. has way less vegetal matter in it than pelletized hops do. So what you're putting in your beer is way more of like the flavor compounds from hops, all the terpenes and all that stuff. And way less of the vegetal matter, which just adds like astringency and like literally like vegetal flavors. I would have guessed that was more of the breakdown of the cells and the freezing, that, that flash it's, freezing I, process. Probably part of it. it, it breaks I know it with... Yeah. A lot of things that the difference between normal freezing and flash freezing is how it maintains that cell wall structure. Yeah. And if that gets broken, that's when the deterioration starts to happen. Right. I think something about freezing it, though, it it allows them to separate the different components better. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I haven't brewed beer in over a year. I'm going to try to get back into it, but I have to. I'm I'm slowly getting my, my garage cleaned up, cleaned out. And then I want to get rid of more stuff and make more room. And then I have to, ooh. I got to clean all my kegs out. Mm. I got to clean all my lines and I don't even have the right equipment to do that yet. I got to, I got to get some jumpers to jumper all my lines together so I can like, then get a little pump and just run cleaner, like mm-hmm. through the, all the, all the lines together at once, you know, yeah, do all that. I was actually thinking the other day, I think the first thing I'll make just cause it's so easy. You don't have to, like, there's not even no heat involved is, um, like a, a, a dry, I made this once before and I really liked it. It was like so long ago, but um, it was a dry, um, a dry cider, hmm. but slightly back sweetened with um, tart cherries. It was so good. It sounds good. Only downside is my wife does not like ciders because she doesn't like apple juice hmm. or anything apparently derivative of apple juice. But well, I do, so I'll take some off. I do too. And like, you know, a lot of my friends and neighbors and stuff that lots, a lot of them are like, I can't have gluten, you know, it's like, okay, well, oh, drink yeah. my cider then. So there's that. Yeah. Well, John, this is episode 319, if I'm not mistaken. Is it? It is. So I think, I think in, in every, by every metric, every metric, 
time in existence, number of episodes, number of hours recorded. Um, I think we are the largest, longest running Salesforce adjacent podcast there is. I th- I think so. I'm not now. So now I don't rich know for it. Oh, exactly. I mean, I mean, the wealth is just. I, I keep having to spread all this wealth across so many different bank accounts because you know you only, you only get two hundred fifty thousand dollars of FDIC insert insurance. Yeah. So I have. I think I have a hundred bank accounts now that are all maxed up because of the wealth that have been has been generated from this podcast. Put it in real estate. Now what I don't know is like the what's the the sales there's a Salesforce developer podcast, right? That's the official from the mothership. Um I have no idea how many episodes they have. Let's see. I don't know. Thousand. Is it, it may be way more than us actually. Now they're two hundred twelve. So we're you know we're shoot. I, I think I don't I think we've got the the lead. Now we'll lose it. We'll lose it because we only record like once a month, but <laughs> that's okay. It's been a tough start to the We'll year. make it up in volume. There's been a, <laughs> it's, it's been a, the, uh, it's kind of like starting a, a really big tractor. You know, you got to have that high torque in the beginning just to kind of get it rolling. And then once it's rolling, it'll start moving again. It's, that's just the way this beer has been. It's just trying to torque through the, the initial movement. Yeah. So much going on. Yeah. Sickness, holidays. <sighs> it's just, it gets harder and harder. Um, it's weird. I think that's what getting getting older. You know, like I feel like. Well, I don't want this to get to get weird or anything, but um, I have to. I should say. I just dis- disclaim. I've been drinking today, <laughs> 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 and I'm still drinking. But hey, Austin's uh, motto: let's, let's keep it weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but I think this. Well, I don't even know where I was going with that. I think uh, this pod, this episode, though, I had a bunch of just different stuff lined up. But I think I just wanted to be a conversation a little bit. Um, I do have some news topics, but there's just like a couple of things I want to talk about besides pooping in a box. Um, oh, I think we spent an hour talking about pooping in a box. Easy, really. I, I'm actually <laughs> curious how you think we would talk about that for so long. Well, so there's there's the there's the aspects of the container. You know, what is the best box to poop in for comfort? They send for it. Transport, they send it to you. You don't get for to all choose. Of that. You I'm don't get saying. to choose. It's a debatable topic. <laughs> yes, debatable. <laughs> Do you need help? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> um. Do you want to start out with the um? <clears throat> man, I feel like I need to. Maybe not. Test one, two. Testing. Okay, sorry. Doing an audio check here. I changed some stuff. I think it's a lot. I still am. Okay. This is just like a quick meeting here. I still like, so like our, um, what is this audio interface? It's kind of like a live production mm-hmm. thing. It's really designed for podcasters. It's literally called the, the Roadcaster, right? Pro, Roadcaster Pro. Um, it, I don't get quite as good sound as if we recorded this raw audio and I post-produced it mm-hmm. everything. But there's something I like about live production. I like live production. Um, it's, I feel like it's more, it's a d- more direct connection. It's like what, what the people that listen to this podcast, what they get is it was, it was done live. Yeah, I mean, there's like a, there's what just, we what, and what you and I are hearing and everything because we don't edit either. I mean, unless yeah. one of us says something really dumb, which doesn't happen. I mean, don't get me wrong; I say dumb shit all the time, but like stuff that I need to cut out, right? This right. doesn't happen very often. So, what what you and I are hearing right now is exactly what any everyone who listens to this is going to hear. Yeah. Um, but I also kind of like the just the option, even though we probably won't ever do it. 
of just flipping the switch and just going live. Well, we've tried that before. Yeah. It's just, and we totally could do it again. It's, it's fine. I mean, I just, I mean, I, it was the, more of just a, a matter of practicality because our audience is just I mean, global in different time zones. And I mean, the few people that could listen live is pretty minimal. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, we have what, a, there's like a few thousand people that listen to this podcast and what percentage of them can actually, well, first of all, we don't ever have any kind of consistent recording time. Now, if we could, if we could pull that off, we did. During, when we did do live, we had a schedule. It was we weren't even that good at that though. Yeah. We tried to for a little bit, but not, I don't think not, a but not for, long enough to build. I don't. That's the thing. There's no demand for live podcasting. Yes, yeah, so, the, the whole nature of podcasting is that you can listen to it whenever, wherever. So my my theory is that of like for a podcast like ours, that you can maybe get ten percent of people to show up live. Maybe ten percent. That's probably actually a little ambitious. So let's call that three hundred people. But you have to do it consistently at the same time every week for probably several months before, so for people to get it into their routine to show up live. Sure. Now, some stuff is changing that. And I, this is a separate topic I want to talk to you about. Um, but the, all the podcasting 2.0, and I, don't, you, I probably have been following this more than you. I'm, I don't know. I went to we haven't talked about that much. heavily, but then okay. I kind of mm. got distracted. So. Um, so I've recently, it's weird because I've been, you know, like I listen to No Agenda. I've been, I've been a No Agenda listener forever. And, and of course, Adam Curry is one of these guys that, um, one of the main people behind Podcasting 2.0. Um, and they also have, there's a podcast, what's their, what is that pod, there's a, there's a, there's a podcast called Podcasting 2.0 and it's with, mm-hmm. um, Adam Curry and, and Dave Jones, both of whom I think those are like the main guys that have been driving Podcasting 2.0. Um, but one of the features of podcasting 2.0 is I forget what they call it. The live, there's the pod ping, pod ping. Mm. That's one of the features that's in, you know, part of the podcast 2.0 spec, even though it's not really a spec. It's kind of, it is kind it's of a an spec. It's attempted standardizing. It is. And it's an attempt. Spec, yeah. Um, now who, who signs on to it and everything. That's a, that's a whole other thing. And that, that's what, I mean, they've been doing, I would say great work just, um, building this it's but it's a very it's a very community driven process there's like so many different like podcasters and podcast podcatchers or podcast players or whatever um podcast hosting companies they've tried to bring everyone in and like get everyone's opinion and like get everyone on a board and just keep encouraging all these people to start incorporating more and more of the of the spec into what they're doing whether you're a podcasting host by the way fireside doesn't do shit in this area um but I recently, finally, after, after, oops, I don't know what I just did. What was that? Um, after, you know, I've been from a distance following this for, mm-hmm. for years now. Well, I, you know, I switched my podcast player to Castomatic. So I use Castomatic, which I think yep. is iOS only. I don't know. I mean, there's so many different I I say podcast players that mm-hmm. are, um, that are in some ways, to some, to some degree, Supporting podcast two point podcasting two point but Castomatic's pretty good. But anyway, you know you can go in and you can set up a a big part of podcasting two point oh. I got to back up for a second. Is this value for value? Is what kind of their brand for it? Which basically just the way to um, for people who listen to podcasts to send some value back to podcasters, and um, and it's all it seems to be based on the Lightning Network. 
which is for people who don't know, um, Lightning Network is it's it's like a layer. It's it's Bitcoin, but it's not on chain Bitcoin because on chain Bitcoin has some problems. It's really expensive. Like the transaction fees are high. They're slow. Um, it's just like moving a mountain just to send someone a couple of bucks. It's it's it makes no sense, right? So there's this. And Lightning's been around for at least five years now. But it's they call it a layer two technology. So it's like if you consider Bitcoin like a layer one, mm-hmm. Lightning Network is layer two, and it sits on top of Bitcoin. But it you can do all these transactions with people, and it's incredibly cheap in terms of fees and fast and instant. And the, and there's all these um, there's all kinds of like smart contract stuff that that supports and everything, and and then only occasionally. Do does it have to then like settle all these things and then make an on on chain transaction, which is then you're actually going onto the Bitcoin mm-hmm. uh, blockchain. Um, but it's all it all works. I don't understand. I mean, I haven't like read the specs or whatever, but like, um, and, and there's challenges with it, and it's still it's still early days. I mean, there are so many different. What you know, places you can set up wallets or apps you can get to to, cost, to be your own custodial wallet. Um, there's so many different like services out there that like for exchanging and like just it's it's kind of a mess still. Like I would never, I would never like for example have my parents or even my wife or my, my, most people to to do this. It's just it's it's early days in that regard. But I'd went to um, so Castomatic supports you can they support value for value. And they support it through Albi. So Albi is one of these services. It's a, um, I guess it's a wallet. They will be your custodian, but you, can, but you can also be your own custodian of the wallet. It supports both. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird. I just use theirs, or at least currently. Anyway, I'm still kind of playing around with this, learning this. But they've got they've got my wallet. They're hosting my wallet basically. But um, it's in their main thing. Their main claim to fame is they're a browser plugin, like a Chrome and Firefox plugin or whatever, and, and Edge or whatever. Um, because there's this, there's this protocol, like a web protocol, it's LN something, Lightning Network something, I forget what it is, but, um, there's all kinds of sites that support, if they support Lightning and you have the plugin, it like the plugin lights up like the, your little icon in the, in the, in the bookmark bar, whatever that is. And you can, you know, you can like pay or receive money. Um, it also supports things like there's a little, there's a convention um, like, for example, like if you're um, on Twitter or X and um, someone has the little lightning emoji and then their lightning address. So mine is like for my la- my Albi ones, like it's like Jeremy at or Jeremy Ross at Albi dot com or whatever. So if I put like the little lightning emoji and then Jeremy Ross at Albi dot com right after that, then people could people could send me uh, Bitcoin because hmm. they're. Their thing lights up. They're, they're, if they use Albi, I, I mean, I guess the other things do it too. But yeah, it's almost like a it's like a quasi standard in a way. Um, so that's kind of one way this is happening. Um, but what's cool about like what they're doing with podcasts, where there's value for value, is, and I've been man, I've been sending a bunch of money. I've been because I, I I mean I've I've supported this podcast for a long time. Like there's a lot of podcasts that I've just I've donated like PayPal or different things to. But I'm kind of getting more into this value for value with Bitcoin. And what's cool is like when I go to like um for well so first of all you can like just say hey I want to stream um a dollar an hour. 
Like when I'm listening to podcasts, if that podcast supports value for value payments, I'm just going to pay them a dollar. For every hour I listen, they get a dollar, mm. which is not a lot. But, you know, if you have, I mean, we're small podcasts. We have three, we have 3,000 listeners. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, of course, you're not going to get, you know, 100% ever. But, um, but you can also boost. And there's a whole spec around boosting. And so boost is where you can say, like, hey, I want to send, you know, I love this topic they were just talking about or whatever. I want to send 15 bucks. So you send, you know, so you do this boost thing. You say, I want to send 50, but you, you know, you're doing it in Bitcoin, but like whatever, 15 bucks or whatever. Um, but the, po- the podcast can't, I think they're called value splits, mm-hmm. but they can say, the podcast can say, okay, 80% of it goes to us. Um, or, you know, let's say, let's say 70, 70% goes to the, the podcast. Um, 10% goes to uh, the guy who runs our servers. 10% goes to the guy that right, that does all our jingles for us. They can actually, split it out so that when you send your 15 bucks in like it's paying all the other it, it pays the podcast but also pays um whoever they have divine in the splits who are mm-hmm. people who are helping produce that podcast and it's a it, i think that what it's going to do with music is really interesting because i've been listening to some of these music value for value podcasts mm-hmm. and when i hear a song really like i'll boost it and you can see it it goes and even some of these like um some of adam curry's podcasts and then also um What's like is that the code? Uh, what's this podcast with Chris Fisher? Code, code. Oh, hang on. Um, shoot, do you know what I'm talking about? You I heard this so. podcast? Um, it's not code, coder, coder, coder weekly. No, what's it called? Anyway, um, he 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 just revived one of his old podcasts called Unfiltered or something like that. Mm-hmm. And during and he, it's like an hour episode, but he'll do like he'll play like one or two. He'll just take like it's almost like a commercial break, but it's not really. But he'll play a song, a, a song that the that the the artist has licensed it for value for value playing, so they can play it on the podcast royalty free. But if I boost the podcast while that song is playing, you can see in the split when you're boosting, it all goes to that artist hmm. just when that song's playing. So that's so the podcast can set up like, hey, during this time codes, if you see anyone boost here, here's the split. Otherwise, this is the split. You, 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 the split can change through the podcast depending on when someone chooses to boost. It's pretty cool. That's I mean, there's tons of cool stuff happening. It's really cool. Um, Apple just adopted. Um, was it transcripts or or they just adopted? Uh, I forget which feature of podcast you put up, but they just adopted one. Which is, even though it's just one, that's huge enough, that Apple did. Yeah, it's part of the tra- getting traction on it. Yeah. 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 But I would definitely recommend everyone, like, and I know we're just so off topic here. I mean, it's technology. Sorry. Salesforce, Salesforce, no, we're Salesforce, technology. Salesforce. We're technology. <laughs> um, yeah. Find, oh, well, there's a new, um, there's, there's all these different, like, is it new podcastapps.com? They have like so many different domain names. Yeah. Modern, modern podcast apps. I'm going to go to the same place. Um, actually, I'm getting slightly different results from each one of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a list of all the different podcast apps and which kind of podcasting 2.0 features they support. But Pod Podverse is a big one I hear about a lot. Podcast Guru, Fountain, I hear about Fountain a lot. Podfriend, um, Curiocaster, Podcast Addict. Castomatic. Oh, that's what I use. Castomatic. You switched to Castomatic too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you saw, 
But I successfully set our podcast up, the Good Day Sir podcast, for value for value. Ooh. I haven't seen a payment come in yet, but <laughs> should I should I boost boost us? Yeah, you should boost. I actually haven't boosted us. I should I should boost us just to see if it actually comes through. Yeah, but no, I, and I just it's just hooked up to my Albi wallet. But yeah, um, and it's interesting because the the ideal way to do it is you you edit your RSS feed mm-hmm. to include like a like some certain tag that defines like what your Lightning address is or whatever, so people can people can boost you. But of course, Fireside, you there's no. There's, you cannot touch your RSS. There's no way to customize or add custom blocks or anything like that. I, I emailed them and they replied and they're like, no, you can't do oh, that. Okay. Um, but there's a, there's another way to do it. If you can't, if, if your host or no one supports this thing, um, and it's through the thing called pod wallet or podcast wallet. I forget what it's called now. Um, but you can go into there and you just have to, you I had, somehow I had to verify that I, that we own the podcast. Oh, it sent an email. Okay, that's when that, you saw that oh, email come through, yeah, probably. Yeah. That's what that was. And so, once you verify that you own the podcast, then you can you can put in like your Lightning address, because apparently the the podcast players that support this, in addition to checking your RSS feed for that, they will go they will check Podcast Wallet to see if you have an entry there. Gotcha. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I mean, there's a lot of people doing some amazing work. I mean, really, just like thankless, revenueless tireless work because they so believe in this i reckon I mean, anyone who's into podcasts at all like i definitely check out listen to that podcasting 2.0 podcast because mm-hmm. i mean these guys have been they've been running that podcast for probably five years and driving this whole initiative and they've been building it like they built the podcast index which is the alternative to because apple was like the default database of all podcasts which is a which is a problem right and so now you have a a, a community-run third-party um database of of podcasts podcast index which is an important part of all this yeah anyway i actually did not plan to talk about this at all i just thought of it randomly <laughs> but i did i like i wanted to talk to you about this because I, I to me it's like it's really cool and uh i think it's i think it's an interesting way to it's, it's not and not 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 just about podcasts either i mean this the whole lightning network opens up so much I've got like several different little wallets now that I've, and I'm, I'm still, I'm just, I'm still learning though. And I'm doing like not huge amounts of money because like, if I, I want to like, I think someone already tried to scam me once. Actually, I went into some discord channel or whatever, asking for support. And someone was like, Oh, I'll support. Yeah. Just go to this, go to this website. Cause I was trying to get money into my Albi wallet. I was mm-hmm. trying to get Bitcoin into it, but Albi currently they have their like on chain Bitcoin to Albi lightning. They have it disabled currently for some reason. And some guy's like, oh, yeah, just go to this website and plug in, you know, send up, send your Bitcoin payment to that and it'll transfer it. And I'm just like, mm, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. that doesn't <laughs> look right to me. It was like it was some generic the domain. It just didn't look completely wrong. So you got to be careful. Um, that's what I said. It's still, in some ways, this is this is also very early days. But yeah. but the I mean, I've always been like a bit I'm like a Bitcoin maximalist. I think we're going to have Bitcoin $1 million at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and lightning and, and lightning really addresses a lot of the, a lot of what makes Bitcoin great and makes it work. Also create a lot of downsides. It's expensive. It's slow. Um, whereas lightning sits on top of like cash app. Everyone uses, everyone has cash app. All the kids have a cash app, right? Cash app uses lightning network 
for not for everything, but like they support Lightning Network because you can send when you send Bitcoin to people and stuff. It's mm-hmm. all it's all Lightning, which which means the fees are insanely cheap. I mean, they're like so. Do you know what a Satoshi is? One hundred millionth of a Bitcoin, and so Lightning okay. Network really op- tends to operate in terms of Satoshis. So like if you know if you send someone fifty thousand Satoshis, that's like I don't know fifteen bucks or something like that. Um. But yeah, a, a typical fee to send someone some crazy inflation. Yeah, I know it does. But <laughs> like a typical fee to send someone some money over the Lightning Network would be like it's like five satoshis or something. It's a it's a it's a fraction of a penny is the fee. Versus like the other day, I was like I, I I needed to send some Bitcoin to myself. Really, actually, I needed to buy some Bitcoin. I think I was buying Bitcoin from dollars, and um, it was when everything was hot, like when Bitcoin was going up. And the fee ended up being, this is Coinbase, and Coinbase pisses me off, but it was like $34. I bought $2,000 in Bitcoin. It was wow. $34 fee. I'm like, I was like, damn, that's, that's expensive. But then I learned you can go to, into Coinbase Advanced, and it looks like, you know, you have this like huge freaking Bloomberg terminal or like E-Trade terminal up. If you go into the Advanced, you can set like a limit order, if you know, anyone knows who about like limit orders on stocks and stuff like that. And it turns out the fee is way cheaper for buying Bitcoin with U.S. dollars if you do that in Coinbase. Mm. So I'm going to keep that in mind next time I need to actually convert dollars to Bitcoin. Anyway. Well, we're very off topic. Poop in a box, Bitcoin. Um, Do you want to (laughs) talk? I know. Uh, There's like three people left listening and they're asleep right now. Um, Do you talk about your JavaScript thing? Yeah, we can. Okay, let's do that. Give me a, my voice a break for a second. Oh, that means I have to actually I know, talk. exactly. I was going to take a nap. <laughs> Just like everyone else listening right now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure, I'm so sure how to start the story, because I have to... Yeah, protect the uh, protect innocent. Protect the innocent, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think, I think where, the, where some of my frustrations, and I don't want to use frustrations, it's not... Man, this is going to be really difficult. Yeah. Um. One of the things I noticed is that I compare myself to when I try to learn something new and what I fall back to. And a lot of it is just basic troubleshooting, logic analysis, um, knowing how to program, I think in general, is what I rely on, not so much the language features itself. So I get a little bit, not frustrated, but I get curious, maybe that's a better word, on why someone who's been working in JavaScript for for a few years now, because obviously uh, in the Salesforce world, JavaScript has, has been pushed forward because of Aura and Lightning and those type of things where we're doing more JavaScript than we were before, say, as opposed to Apex. Yep. And a lot of developers came from the world of Apex and Visual Force, and that's what they were used to. And then as they transitioned to Aura and Lightning, they started to have to develop new skills in JavaScript. Because these people were not developers before, or certainly not web developers, right? Not certainly web not web developers, yeah, right? Sure. And I, I never really considered myself to be a web developer, so to speak. In that's fact, I because, hate that's because you had I such hate a the web. I know, I still hate the web. Um, but you know, I, I just it, it, to me, the programming doesn't change. The language changes and how you accomplish things, but the programming doesn't change. So I get a little curious as to what someone's thought process is or what's holding them back from being a better JavaScript developer in that sense. Um, so I'll give you an example in this scenario. Where I was kind of looking at some code and trying to evaluate why it wasn't working. And some of the things were should have been easy pickings, you know, 
certain variables were not instantiated correctly. And granted, the, this was in Aura, so prior to Lightning Web Components technology, and it did some weird things, and it does weird things. It doesn't always show errors. The 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 execution chain or workflow doesn't really send work the way you would think sometimes. Um, so it's really hard to kind of surface up errors sometimes unless you try catch and do something with it. And that's kind of what needed to happen, first of all, was do that try catch so that it, you can actually see if there's any errors being generated because it wasn't always prevalent on the UI. And once you do that, you start seeing all the different things, you know, variables that were being used because code was copied and pasted from one place to another and they weren't initialized properly because yeah. they were copied from somewhere, some other source where maybe that instance of that uh, variable was maybe declared globally or declared in some other part of the code. And it was things like that that were kind of, I was catching quite a bit of. And then there's just instances of just reading documentation. Sometimes you're using a library and you're trying to get it to work, but you're, you might be making a lot of assumptions on how you think it should work, but you need to really look at the documentation and understand what is going on there. I think with Apex, maybe with Visual Studio Code and with IntelliJ, you get a lot of help in the IDE in terms of like it doing a static analysis of the codes and methods and libraries that are available and telling you, you know, what, what to send to a particular method. Um, but in JavaScript, that's still very iffy. It's really difficult for IDEs to do that in JavaScript because it's such a functional language and that those things really don't have a set meaning at any point in time. It's not strongly typed. So yeah. you're really reliant on the documentation and understanding, truly understanding what those methods are and how to use them. And so that was another case where I was kind of noticing that there was just a, a lack of diligence in understanding what calls were being made and how they're being made and, and how to use them effectively, given that library's constraints. That was a lot of talking. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, because when you were when we were talking about this earlier, um, I don't know. It just, for me, it just, it brings back like this issue we have of, you know, we went through, oh, this just goes back to how long ago? I mean, when it was like, learn to code. Was it Obama? Learn to code. Everyone's like, that's a solution. Oh, we destroyed your industry. So learn to code, learn to code. Everyone learn to code, learn to code. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of people learn to code and some people are, are good. And they took it seriously and learned fundamentals and it, it you know, and that this thing people don't want to <laughs> talk about is um, I don't care what kind of path to Salesforce or, um, you know, learn this in 21 days or whatever. It, as with anything, um, to get good takes thousands of hours, thousands of hours of study and work. What's the thing uh, to be a, um, now this is a little, some might say somewhat extreme, but like to be a true expert, what's it, is it that? 10,000 hours. Ten, it's 10,000 yeah. hours, right? Yeah. You know, you're looking at a, a full, a full-time commitment, full-time commitment of learning a f good five years, which I think is reasonable. I mean, that's like, I feel like that's how long at least I think actually think it took me longer than that to get a, a lot longer than that to get to the point where I f felt now I'm not very smart. So some people who are more t talented and smart than me would, wouldn't take them near as long. And there is a lot of people out there that I'm jealous of because they're smarter than me, but it took me way longer than that to get to where I felt like I was actually, I, I kind of realized, okay, now 
I feel like I'm a competent engineer now. I still don't feel like a competent engineer. I know. It's funny because sometimes you don't, right? It's it's just the thing. It's, you know. um, But I I think – so I guess my question to you is what drove you to continue to working towards that 10,000 hours? Was it because that was your job and you needed to figure it out for your work or was it an individual goal or or for something that you had? I mean when I was in the middle of that, I didn't even realize what I was doing. I don't think. I mean, I thought I was because I, th- I think it, it various parts along that journey. I th- I didn't realize I wasn't already there. I I, d- I took a I took a non traditional route. I, I, I didn't yeah. go to I didn't go to school for yeah. computer science or or software engineering. Um, I started programming when I was like twelve, but you know, silly stuff. Yeah, but that's but I never really stopped. I mean, I um. And then I kind of got exposed to like, I would say like inter- enterprise level computing, like big stuff, um, Java stuff, Java enterprise stuff, and then like .NET stuff and, and, and uh, kind of just happened upon, I think some of the right people and books and conferences and stuff. And I, and that, and I just realized, oh my gosh, like, wow, there is this whole world of stuff that you need to know to be a professional level like enterprise software developer. But I didn't realize that you don't, you know, you, because you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I totally didn't know that that whole world of stuff exists. I mean, my code was probably absolute garbage. I think if I was to answer that question, I would say there's a certain degree of stubbornness involved. You know, you're faced with a problem. You're faced with something that you need to do. And regardless of whether you have the right amount of information in front of you currently, I think it takes a certain amount of stubbornness to kind of seek it out or to chip away at the problem until you can solve it. And maybe that's just my brute force way of of understanding the world. But I do feel like there's a certain amount of stubbornness I keep using the word stubbornness, but I want to say tenacity, almost, to just want to understand why something works or why something doesn't work, and then taking what you learn from that experience and applying it to other things. And I think that's what makes an engineer an engineer and not just someone who codes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But back to this, you know, your situation... Um, this person you were trying to help, you know, shortcuts are shortcuts. Um, and when you haven't put the time in, it's like, you know, it's like if, you know, you've, uh, I don't know, picked up an instrument, you've been, you know, let's say you pick up French horn and you play it for a couple of years and like, you kind of just like the next Dallas symphony orchestra, like rehearsal, you kind of just like sneak in and sit down and, and with the orchestra. <laughs> You kind of start playing, but instantly, like you and everyone realizes that you don't belong there because you have not put the work in. You literally don't have, you're not even close, you're not even close, but you probably didn't have any idea. You thought you were fine. And I just see so much of that 
everywhere. And it and there's so much misinformation disinformation. This is the this is the thing that's so frustrating. The disinformation so. yeah. that that misleads people. Oh, you get and, a, you get uh, get a certified. Get a certificate. Know, you're you're certified in this now. I'm got, you got I'm your, your certified. You got your trail, you got your badge, you got certification. <laughs> you're good. You know this. And I, I really think the better thing to do would be like to put together and I'm sure this is out there. I mean, I don't really pay attention to this stuff because I feel like I'm I'm old now. I'm like I'm past that. But like if you really want to be a professional software engineer, here is the well, actually, they do have this, like the big MOOCs and everything. They have this. Here's the here's the curriculum. Here's mm. the path. Here's the things you need to learn. And if you only learn like one or two of those things, and even to a small degree, I mean, I guess you can probably, again, you can probably copy and paste some LWCs together and and, and just hack and hack and hack at the JavaScript until it kind of works. But you're creating garbage. You don't even know why it works. Um, if it works, kind of works. Um, you have you don't know uh, anything about security, uh, performance, what you what effect you may be having on the system that you don't even understand. I mean, uh, who is this helping, John? Who is this helping? Nobody. It, it, it's a temporary help, but, it's, but, it's, it's but a there's been the rush. There's been the rush for everyone. Everyone learned to code. Because everyone wants, here's the thing, everyone wants cheap, cheap, cheap software developers. We'll, we'll import them in by the millions, we will produce them here by the millions, we'll, we'll give them a, some trailheads and some learn to code in 21 days, and we'll make everyone cheap. But, like, that was our problem. That was not our problem. But that's what, you know, these crony capitalists think, that's how they think nowadays. Well, everyone learn to code. Learn to code. Right? Well, I will read to you this. Uh, UBS. Big bank, huh? Mm-hmm. Stranded assets. A stranded asset is an asset that loses its value earlier than expected, normally because of changing economic structures. The fourth industrial revolution is already turning, there we go, is already turning previously secure investments into liabilities. Real estate has become some obvious stranded assets. The number of malls in the U.S. is falling, and vacancy rates are rising as people do the boring bits of shopping online. Office vacancy rates in the U.S. and London are at 20-year high as flexible working becomes embedded in our culture. Education is a different type of asset and may become a stranded asset. Let me repeat that. Education may become a stranded asset. The STEM subjects could be vulnerable. STEM skills have traditionally become obsolete more quickly than other skills. It is easier for technology to replace these absolute skills of STEM than other more abstract subjects. Here's the quote. Money quote. Much of computer coding already has the look of of a stranded asset. And other STEM skills may follow. This is UBS. And then so, a follow-on. So what I think I, I I know I'm probably sounding like I'm against the future of AI, but I just don't think it's gonna play out like these people think it's gonna play out. I don't think it's gonna take everyone's jobs. I think it might take some jobs. 
But I don't think the the problems we have are not problems because we didn't throw enough people at it. Because we've seen companies throw people at a problem and still end up worse for wear. And I don't think that declarative tools have proven to change the game in terms of needing developers or needing competent engineers who can understand a problem and properly solution Declarative tools? Right. Yeah. No, I'm a declarative developer, John. I I create, (laughs) I I code declarations. Yeah. What what does that even mean? This is a bullshit term. The the terminology. It's a bullshit term. But we use it. We use the terminology because that's how we communicate with each other. I mean, the code I write is declarations. It's it's declaring things to a compiler. What's the point? What's the point? Declaring things to another program that's going to declare those things to the compiler. (laughs) (laughs) But the the twisting of words. Well, we all like to sound smarter. We all like to abstract things and abstractions and. It's it's not a bad thing to have declarative tooling. It's not a bad thing to create not at all a a UI that makes a certain task simple for someone to maintain or edit or create. I don't think there's any any fault in that. But what I do find fault in is that that, that tool is the answer to everything because we all know that our problems are not that simple because if they were that simple they'd be solved. No, it's the blurring of lines that using a declarative tool is software engineering. I think it very it could be it very much could be. If you look at how games are developed with but, these but game it, engines. It, John, it could be if the people doing the declarative development had engineering skills. But they, by and large, do not, which is why you see the disasters that you and I probably see on a daily basis that people are creating. Sure, but I, I think the... And, and the whole idea of reducing costs by getting cheap people, by flooding a market, an, a labor market with people, it turns out backfiring because it's all got to be redone. It's all, it's all rework. It all becomes rework. It all becomes massive liabilities. Uh, what's the, the, what's the, the term? Proper, uh, uh, debt, technical debt. Like the technical debt is just, it's, it's worse than ever, John. It's worse than ever in typical enterprise, in a typical enterprise. I'm telling you, the technical debt, because of some of these bullshit tools, is worse than ever. I agree. They are teetering. Like companies, they can't. They don't have no confidence on deploying, on testing, on their on their operations, on security. There's no confidence. It's a mess. It's a mess. Now there are certainly high performing organizations, and they're famous, like they because they have their engineering blogs, and we all know about them and everything. But the typical enterprise is an absolute disaster right now because CIOs have wiped their hands clean of this fine you want to do all this you want, you want to outsource everything everything SaaS. we won't run anything we'll outsource the the operations the systems the services even the people they wiped their hands of it because they they were told to they were forced to they their hand was forced and what and what do we have are we in a better position now because of that no <laughs> no we thought devops was the answer turns out devops is dead People should take DevOps out of their brand names now. It's dead. Mainly because these same shitty enterprises and SaaS vendors pushing concepts for sales um, destroyed DevOps. Just like they've destroyed so many other things before. 
Well, they, they took these terms and they created... Remember, brand, do you they, remember service-oriented architecture? Yes. And enterprise service buses? Yes. <laughs> yeah, to the point where uh, MuleSoft, who by all intents and purposes, is a bus. Oh, the, um, the Mule ESB. The Mule ESB. Fun fact, fun fact, John. That. The Mule ESB, which is the core of Mule, still open source. You can go download it off their <laughs> GitHub uh, repo, and you can run Mule for free. Yeah, but that term became such poison that they divorced themselves from that term. Yeah, they did. In, in favor of the, you know, the API first mantra. But, you know, they, they do it to themselves. They, they take these terms and they, they churn it through the the uh, marketing machine and it just ruins everything. And that's what I feel is happening with this, with AI, because to me, these are tools, when, whether it's declarative, whether it's hand, hand crafting on a, on an IDE, um, or if, or if it's AI coding assistant, these are tools, but they're not treating them like tools. They're treating them like the answer to our problems, the answer to our people problems. And that's the wrong perspective. That's the wrong line to blur because the wrong people using these tools you just get more wrong. You get, it gets you get, more wrong. You get wrong, but magnified. Right. I'll give you an example. So I was reading this article about. Uh, uh, let me let me bring it up really quick, just so I can segue into it. It was about a t- company that was building an AI tutor for kids, Conmingo or something. They they basically use ChatGPT to to build this, and it was. It's a math tutor, but it was producing incorrect results or in in some ways iffy results. And I thought, it's powered by ChatGPT. Why don't I just go to ChatGPT and try some of these things out? And I tried some of the prompts and it's correct. It's it's inaccurate. It's not positive yeah. that the results it's giving you are accurate results yeah, like no. you would need in right. math. In fact, I asked it, is what was the number? It was like, is uh, 343 minus 15 or something, whatever the math works out, three something. And its response to me was like, oh, yeah, good catch. That is right. I, thanks for, for clarifying no. that to me. And it was like, no. huh? No, no. It was the wrong answer. It was the wrong prompt. So I think in the same way that we have to be careful on how we instruct the, the computer to perform certain actions is the same way you have to be careful on how you prompt AI to produce a result. And asking it the wrong questions or asking it questions in the wrong format in a way that that maybe we know how to navigate or we know how to take the nuance of that, of that statement and navigate it into a result, whether it's cultural context or, or whatever, the AI can't do that. And so it produces these results. And if you take your hands off the wheel and say, go for it, I trust you, you're going to end up with some pretty bad results. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, just, that's where LLMs are right now. It's, it doesn't matter where they're at. They could be worse. They could be better. It doesn't matter where they're at. The, okay. the point of the the point that I'm trying to make is that these are tools, and these tools need to be in the hands of competent people. And when they're not in, in the hands of competent people, bad things are going to happen. And that's what we see marketing doing yeah. to the world. They're I mean, saying I, you don't need expensive coders. We have AI. Ask the AI the question, and yeah. it'll tell you. Right. I will say, I mean, I, so I use um, GitHub Copilot, and uh, it it definitely saves me a ton of time. But it, it but also yeah, it but also suggests wrong stuff a lot of the time. It does, I, it, but you can recognize the wrong stuff. You can use your engineering yeah, expertise yeah. to ask it the right question first mm-hmm. of all. Yeah, and you can use your engineer, engineering experience to validate the response, and that's what it takes. It's a conversation. It's a asking the right question 
and validating the response. Right. Because the, the LLM is not responsible for my bad code. I am. Right. If I create bad code, if I create a security hole or um, something that does something dumb or destroys someone's data or whatever, that, that's my fault. Mm-hmm. No one cares that I use Copilot. Oh, that's, that's Copilot's fault. That, that's a bad product. You know, no, no. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you have a plumber come in and replace your toilets and he ends up leaking water all over. It's like he can't be like, oh, yeah, that's my, you know, this this pipe wrench I have. It's just no good. It's this pipe wrench's fault. No, sorry. That's just a tool. Like, you're still responsible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I know. <laughs> Man, did you see uh, what's what's OpenAI's, this new text video? What's it called? Yo, oh, I have no idea. Yeah, you do. You didn't see this? I God, John, have, John but... lives under a rock. Um, Sora, S O R A. I haven't seen it. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. You can write like a paragraph about like what kind of video like scene you want. It's crazy. It's, well, I mean, I've, at I've, least the demo. It's it's demos right now. But, I, but I've heard that the uh, the unsavories of the world are using these tools. You know, the content farms are using these tools. Um, well, it's going to get bad. I mean, that's the 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 false information out there. It's, it's, just, we're going to enter a very weird, this is going to be a very weird point. Of I, still humanity. Think, I still think it comes down to people and, and I have faith in people. I have faith in humanity. I have faith in the majority. What the fake that's, <clears throat> you know, when you think about like the, the misinformation that will be created intentionally to change, to change elections. To I think that's s- fine. To start wars. I think I mean, it's fine that misinformation let's start, exists. Let's start wars. That's fine. No, that's not that's what great. I'm saying. What I'm saying is the fact that misinformation exists is not the problem. The problem is people are not asking the correct questions and they're not validating the responses. If you do that, if you, if you control the input and you validate the output, we're all in a much better place, whether there's misinformation or not, because that's not going to go away. It's human nature. It's in humans to do these things. It is, it just, it's been repeated it's so, over and over. It's so amplified, though. It's so the, the, but we've, the we've learned to deal with it. We've learned with with published media when that exploded, propaganda was was spiked. But we all learned how to val- verify sources, how to validate sources, and then all of a sudden the internet came about, and that information was f- fire hose fed into us, and we had to learn those skills all over again for a new type of media. Yeah. And we're going to have to do that again with AI. We're going to have to learn those skills, skills again with media, how to recognize, how to validate, how to verify, or just put, apply your own experience and common sense to it. Yeah. We are, as individuals, are in control of that. So I want to follow up just uh, to close the loop on this, you know, UBS saying basically you shouldn't learn to code. Uh, the CEO of Stability AI says there will be no human programmers in five years. Um, also, um, someone did analysis and found that 41% of code on GitHub now is AI-generated. That doesn't mean anything. Well, it means something. But um, also, the, the counter-argument is that you know human programmers possess skills in like problem-solving and creativity and critical thinking and, and domain expertise. That are at least currently are beyond the reach of AI tools. I'm not even going to give them that. I know you're not. That's why we have the show, John. So you're not going to argue about this. 
I people just seem to have it in their heads. They see these movies. They see the minority the minority reports. The uh, what else did Benioff mention? Oh the God, Terminators. You're so old, you're so old The Terminators. Oh the, yeah, uh, the, the the Salesforce uh, guy wrote you know, all these movies, right? You know the, these AIs, man. They're going to be super awesome, super uh, Matrix. You know they're they're going to take over the world. They're just going to be they're, they're going to be us, but personified better. And I just don't. I, I think the closer they get to under to being able to think like us, the worse they're going to get. Because hmm. what makes computers good is the ability to do a repetitive task accurately. The more you ask them to think critically, to think creatively, the worse they're going to get. Yeah, It's not going to be this utopia of super smart AIs that are just perfect and can do whatever. It's just going to introduce flaws into the system. Yeah. I also, I mean, part of my optimism for all this is that... Um, I feel like the, our, I guess our constraint has really been, and this is weird for me to say this, our constraint has been just like the like productivity of software engineers. That's that's always a constraint because, I mean, good software engineers are expensive, um, but good software engineers also have a multiplying effect. Their good ones are, I, I do believe in like the, and whether it's 10, 5, 100, I don't know. But, like, good engineers, you know, like, the whole concept of, like, the 10x engineer, I think that's a true phenomenon. Um, but still, regardless, um, there, you know, it's it's in general, it's, it's a cost. And um, But when I look at, like, some of the stuff, I like, there's things that I'm doing that normally would have taken me 100 hours and now taking me, like, 20 hours. Like when I build integrations, I can like I can I can I can basically say here's an input file. Like when I would have to like just kind of do, manually do like mapping, mm-hmm. like data mapping from some like a source to a destination. I can say here's here's what the uh, here's like the source file could be fixed with could be CSV whatever a, a database table, and I'll say here is the Salesforce object it's going to, and it literally will just. And I'll just like say map this, and it be a you know a hundred different mappings. It just now some of some of them are wrong, but I mean most of them are right. Sure. And what's weird is like when you correct it, I don't know how this works. I guess this all gets fed back to GitHub or whoever Microsoft. But when you correct stuff, it learns your corrections, and it like as you work on that project more, assuming it's like a long lived project, it 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 learns the project more, and it's just it's it's pretty crazy. But I guess where I'm going with that is like, I think that 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 doesn't mean we're going to put software engineers out of a job. It just means that so- we'll have the same number of software engineers, maybe even more. But the the magnifying leverage that their capabilities will have will just advance the value that you know companies are prov- companies are providing. Like we'll just we're going as consumers. We're going to get so much more for what we spend because what we're buying is from companies that are using AI to magnify. And it and is in some ways, it's kind of a race to the bottom. Like, it's not like um, I don't get to charge a lot more for what I do because of this now. I can just do a lot more of it. And, and the value I'm providing to, like, our clients when I'm doing this stuff is... Um, they're just all going to get a lot more value. It's it's not going to reduce the need for it, though. Like, I think it just opens up. Like, 
and, and, and projects that would have been too expensive are now feasible. So it brings all those into the fold. So sure, it doesn't take near as much of my time to do task X, but because it's so less expensive now to do it, I'm, I'm getting a lot more, there's a lot more opportunities for it, for me, for organizations, which mm-hmm. means that all these organizations, the value they're delivering to their customers, their constituents, whatever it is, is, is magnified. But you still, you still need all the software engineers. They can just, what they're producing is so much more valuable. So that's kind of my white pill. Am, am I white pilled, I guess, on, on this topic? Yeah, in a you're, way? you're brainwashed into the but, AI industry. But you're kind of, sure. so I'm, I think I'm white pilled. You are, what are you? You're, you're, you're optimistic, but you're optimistic in a different way than I am. Because you're kind of, I think I'm more, I don't want to say you're denying. <laughs> no, I but, think I'm more pragmatic about what, what these things you, are. You have a tempered expectations of what these things can do. And I think I see a lot more possibilities. I, I think I don't see it as magic like everyone else does. Hmm. You know, people view these tools as these, these magic things that can do this, are smart enough to do these things that I want it to do if I tell it what to do, and it can just do it. And I don't see them as magic. I see them as tools. I see, I see the, the, the art of developing, of programming, of writing solutions as any other industry. I always create the analogy that it's, it's equivalent to any other industry. Welding. What makes a good welder? They make welds that don't break. How do they do that? And I, it's, By understanding the problem, their tools, the process. The process is probably more key. If you ask a, a, someone who's a master welder, they will tell you that it's 90% prep, 10% welding. Would a painter not tell you that? A painter would tell you the exact same okay. thing. If you look at other industries where there's mastery level and you ask them what it takes to be that good – it's or to prep. do what they do, they will tell you it's all prep. To prep your services. They take the prep, time to prep. prep. Materials. They, yep. they, if it's painting, they'll tape everything. They'll mark everything. Yep. It'll take them hours and hours. You go to an amateur painter, they're slapping paint on the yeah. wall five it's minutes into, into the job. Splashing everywhere. Right. They're getting the floor. They're getting paint on the couch. You know, it's like going everywhere. <laughs> you go to you go to an amateur welder, and they see two things. They stick them together, and they start they start putting the weld in. Yeah. You know they're they're. There's a there's prep to it. There's understanding the materials you're working with and how those materials will bond. There's also you know the tooling and the variables within the tooling that you're using for welding to put join those two pieces together. Mm-hmm. I don't see it any different in programming. Sure, I can write a sort. I can have the AI write a good sorting algorithm, but how I use that algorithm or its application and whatever solution I'm using in that's a whole different that's a whole different mindset. Maybe it gives you a bubble sort, and you're only sorting a few hundred items at any given point in time. Bubble sort, perfect. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Give it a million records, and you got a problem. Yep. It's prep. It's, it's, it's knowing what to feed it, and then knowing what to expect out of it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, if you treat it like a tool, if you approach it like a tool, I think you'll be more successful at it. And I think most people agree. What, what, what bothers me is the perception that marketing creates, that, that media creates around these toolings. There's, there's these magic things that they're just so much smarter and better than people could ever be at anything. But that's just capitalism, right? That's just... But it informs 
it informs people. It informs their decisions on what they invest in and what they, what they what they value at any given point in time because they hear these things and we're all too busy to, to you, really you analyze. But you it. can't blame you know vendors for trying to sell their wares. That's all they're doing. You know, buyers have to educate themselves. I agree. But I also subscribe to the aspect of human nature. And I understand how these marketing companies have scientifically. Um, oh, the, 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 their, dude, their these, big, these big companies own teams of psychologists yes. to trick you. Yes, <laughs> they, they do. How, how at the, what, at do you think the al- what do you think level, these algorithms are for? <laughs> at a scientific level, how they've manipulated human beings oh, and absolutely. human emotion absolutely. to manipulate them. And that, that's, it's, as much as we can say, um, you should have known better, that's really hard to do when you have the system that knows you well enough to oh, push your buttons. They've literally, they have, you know, an army of PhDs who are experts in hacking your brain mm-hmm. to get you to do something. It, yeah. it, it, so yes, I do. I do sympathize with that. It is hard to tell someone. Oh, you should have known. I got an army of PhDs that know how to hack human brains. Like that's hard to overcome. It is, <laughs> and that's why my approach to this is to create skeptics out of everybody. Healthy skeptics, yeah. you know, being a health healthy skeptic on all the stuff you're being fed from the media, from the news, on this tooling, on AI in general. So that you can understand it. Because two things are going to result out of this. Either we're all going to buy into it and we're all going to subscribe to AI and it's all going to be great. Or it's going to die, which I think both scenarios are are bad for humanity. Or it's going to die because it got ruined by marketing. Who said it could do all these things when it wasn't ready for that yet. And people are going to stop investing in it. Yeah. Can I... Just pick something in the middle because I don't. I think it's somewhere in the middle, right? <laughs> no, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, you can. I'm just saying that those those two outcomes I think are the worst case scenarios, so to speak. Uh, have you seen this big <laughs> this journey to Salesforce? Is this new? I, I, I think I just saw it this week. Um, all like the Salesforce, um, you know, what are they called? Developer evangelists or whatever. They've all been like tweeting this and everything. So I got the link, you know, it's, it's on the Salesforce developers app. It's uh, a journey to Salesforce. Again, this is all about, which is weird because maybe if you're not a professional software engineer right now, I feel like it's actually not a great, again, I'm totally biased, I guess. It seems like it's not a great time to get into this space. <laughs> I'm saying it's the perfect time to get into uh, it. It could be. It could be. That's why I, I admit, like, maybe I'm just not, I'm not having the vision here. I, um, but yeah, begin your journey to Salesforce. Be- become a sales. I wish you could see my screen. I can't turn this, but become a Salesforce developer. 100% free and online. Mentorship and community. No experience required. Giveaways and reward. Free shit. Giveaways and rewards. Extensive content library. Continuous enrollment and self-paced. What is Journey to Salesforce? Journey to Salesforce is your fast track to becoming a Salesforce developer. <laughs> this free online program is for individuals who are new to the Salesforce ecosystem, providing essential skills and practice, practical knowledge for success. Gain access to curated, self-paced educational content, a supportive community, 
mentorship opportunities and chances to earn rewards and prizes. Register today and get your to get started on the journey to Salesforce. Now, I haven't looked into this, but if this is a you know five year program to becoming a competent software engineer who understands systems and and encryption and security and dynamic languages and static languages and databases and transactions and you know i mean go on and on and on all the stuff that we need to know to be actually somewhat competent you know http protocols caching pro i mean just all the things you kind of need to know and if you don't they will bite you in the ass and you will screw your organization you know if it does all that that's great Uh, here's a quote this is from uh right on there they got this photo in here crescendo Chakrabarti, Salesforce developer of Tata Consulting Services. I started as a Siebel CRO. This guy's not old enough to be a Siebel. This is okay. This why I don't believe this right now. This guy looks like he's in his mid thirties, and he says he was a Siebel. He started started as a Siebel CRM developer. He might just have good genetics. He might. If so, I'm jealous. Uh, and I was looking to switch to Salesforce after after joining Journey to Salesforce. My career path changed. Now I want to give back. I want to give back to the community by helping college graduates. And people from different backgrounds. So you have to be either a college graduate or someone from a different different background than him. I'm not sure what that means. To become Salesforce experts. Okay. All right. Um, anyway, there's a huge FAQ. This is obviously a big initiative by Salesforce. And maybe we can get one of our developer advocate friends at Salesforce to kind of like... Mm-hmm. Add some color to this. What's going on with this? Um, yeah, FAQ. Who's eligible to join? Of course, everyone in the world. That's what, who they want to join this. Um, they can create declarations. I love creating declarations. <laughs> uh, do I need prior developer? I, uh, this is a quiz. I haven't even expanded this yet. Do I need prior developer experience to join the program, John? What's what's your answer, John? I would say no. The answer is no. Yeah. The answer is no. I'm going to pass this because I'm cynical. Um, <laughs> there's, I'll uh, say the opposite of what this, I think. This is actually a completable program. How do I complete the program? You must finish all five. Oh, there's five. It's just five. Five? Five journeys. Oh, no, they're trail mixes. Five trail mixes. Oh. So you've finished five trail mixes, John, and you are a professional software engineer. How do I connect with mentors? You will be able to meet with Mentor during interactive office hours and Q&A sessions. Uh, interesting. Okay. That could be valuable. Check the program's Slack channel for dates and times. Stay tuned. Anyway. And probably the most valuable part of that whole thing would be the mentorship, access to people who, oh, who you can talk to. This is interesting. Eligible countries. United States, Canada, India. No UK? No Japan? I thought they were like the second software company in Japan. Too expensive. Too expensive. Too expensive. It's too expensive. Nope. We don't need those. We don't need those expensive people. Nope. All right. Well, let's see. I'm I'm all for programs that that try to get people to to program. I just hate the the speaking out of both sides of their mouth when they say AI is here. We're not going to need developers. Oh, but by the way, we still need developers. And they also list, there's a thing that says, a wide range of organizations are hiring Journey to Salesforce graduates. Do we know? Are there already graduates for this nascent program? There will be. But no, this says a wide range of organizations are hiring, presently hiring graduates of this program. Yeah. 
Are there graduates of this program already? Okay. It sounds, uh, like, they a, list sounds Cap, like an internship program to me. They list uh, Capgemini, he- Hexaware, Hexaware, okay, Metacube, Metacube. Aren't these all uh, implementation partners? Hexaware. That's, that's, I guess they're consulting, yeah. And put put bodies on projects. Um, yeah, Hexaware in India. Metacube. Let's see where Metacube is. Where's Metacube? Metacube India. I mean, okay. all right. <laughs> okay. This is where we're going, John. Journey to Salesforce. I, I think I think those type of programs have value. I think somebody somewhere will try it. They'll pique their interest for for programming or engineering in general, and they'll they'll take the next step to to making it their career. I think there's also going to be a lot of people who probably try it and maybe find out that it's not for them, and that's a good thing too to find out. And then I think there's going to be a minority of people who are disillusioned to think that this made them a, a proper engineer, and they're. They'll probably learn some lessons in life. Let's go to this one. Um, the fastest growing countries for software development, according to GitHub. In the three months leading up to September 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hang on. Let me back up. Like, I got to find the article. Uh, where was I? How did I lose this? Rest. Of, wow, that's interesting. Okay. Um, a year over a year. Growth and GitHub developer accounts. So I'm going to go top down, like the ones with the most growth. Bangladesh, Nigeria, Pakistan, Singapore, India, Vietnam, Egypt, Argentina. Um, and I, let's see, where was I? Um, in the three months leading up to September 2023, there were 945,000, it's almost a million, Bangladeshi developers on GitHub. During the same period in 2022, there were only a half a million. So in one year, they went from a half a million to a million developers. Well, they need someone to to train those bots. A surging number of GitHub accounts might suggest a rising, this is an interesting point, rising tech sector, but it might also represent a decline in actual work as developers turn to unpaid work on public repos after paid work disappears. When you had mentioned GitHub, I didn't say it, but one of my first thoughts was um, people often use GitHub as, as kind of a resume for, for programming. And so an increase in, you know, public repos doesn't mean much to me. It means they need jobs. They don't have work. That's what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then it says, is, is more public developer activity a leading or trailing indicator for other kinds of development. Kind of same thing. Now, if they had segmented it out and said, you know, public contributions to open source tooling or even included some some private repo numbers into there, it might have made made the numbers a little bit feel more accurate. Yeah. I got to look at Nigeria. This is interesting. Uh, Nigeria was like at the top of the list. Uh, in Nigeria, high-flying startups like Opay Jumia and Flutterwave, never heard of any of these, have you heard of those? Have produced their own wave of software development projects funded by both venture capital interest and government investment. Mm. That's interesting. John, we're all coders. We're all coders now. 
Someone's got to make the bots. Make the bot. The bots will make themselves. You don't need anyone to make bots. No, because the bots are proprietary. You're not going to let someone's not going to let you use their bot to make a bot. So you got to make your own bot so that it can start making itself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, hey, have you have you um, seen this? I've I've got sudden, and I don't I haven't really looked into them that much. It's a new, um, I think it's a FIDO standard. I'm not sure uh, who does a lot of this, like one time password, um, hardware keys, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, pass keys are becoming a huge thing. Everything wants me to use a pass key now instead of passwords. Oh, like a, like like they're assigning you. a a dongle or something? I, I, or? No, it's, I don't, so again, I I haven't engaged in this yet, and I really should because I do do a lot of security work, and as someone who sits on a podcast and says that presumably I know something about security and some of these other people don't know enough about security, I probably should oh, look into this. I don't fault you for that. This, this, um, the security world changes constantly. Uh, the things we thought were secure ended up not being secure, and we're always trying to find new ways to to prevent people from easy access yeah so it's based on fido standards uh pass keys are replacement for passwords and they provide faster easier and more secure sign-ins to websites and apps unlike passwords pass keys are always strong and phishing resistant that's just having a, a a high requirement for your password that's like it's got to be a hundred characters long instead of eight characters long. It's just no, it's it's different. And I don't know if you have to have an an app for this. Like I know one password supports it, but anyway, I'm just curious if you. Um, yeah, the user experience. Okay, how do users use these? When a user is asked to sign into an app or website, the user approves the sign in with the same biometric or PIN. That the user has to unlock the device, whether it's a phone, computer, security key, your one password, mm-hmm. whatever. The app or website can use this mechanism instead of the traditional and insecure. This is a, this is an extension of um, of the the previous FIDO. This is kind of builds on the existing FIDO standards, which are like domain name based. That's why it's phishing resistant because. If someone does fish you, they get an email. Oh, here, you know, I'm coming to the bank and log in. You click the link or whatever. Your your tool, whether it's your app or your one password, whatever, isn't no. It knows it because humans we can get tricked easily, like one little character off or whatever. Computer does not get tricked like that, so it's not going to enter your passkey. And I think you don't even have to know your passkey. Like you're you're still just unlocking your system with. A biometric or a pin or whatever you mm-hmm. whatever you use or, or, or a or a a one password right right and then it's up to your operating system your browser your password tool or whatever to when you get to a site to recognize that and, and it's weird because one password in these things they kind of already do that like it auto, it auto fills a password mm-hmm. when i go to a website i don't have to and i don't have to check to make sure that oh is this really is this does it say Microsoft.com or is it micro is it microzerosoft.com, right? Or you know, because that's not gonna trick one password, right? It might trick me, it might trick a human. It won't, but you, can still, over, one you can still override that mechanism. And I think what this is trying to do is prevent you from overriding that mechanism. I just think it's like, yeah, you don't ever it, it's the next step of a one password. It's yeah. it's and it's with a 
with a a standards organization that's developed a standard for this versus one password and LastPass all these things kind of doing it on their own a little bit in a way. Yeah. So I'll say check it out. I'm, I'm seeing it everywhere now. So um, and I get, I keep getting prompted. Oh, do you want to like by one password? I think is what's doing it. Like, do you want to do your pass key? Or in like some websites, there is it GitHub. I can't remember now. But they're like, oh, do you want to? Thanks for logging in. But do you want to like switch to a pass key now? So. I think we're going to see more and more. I wonder, I wonder where I, Salesforce is on that. <laughs> Salesforce Paskey, let's see. I, I hate being the uh, skeptic of the team here, but... That, one, well, that's, one, your, that's your job, John. One thing that about, is your job. <laughs> one thing about trying to further secure systems is the, is the fact that it ends up making it much harder for people to do the, what they need to do, in which case it in turn creates the uh, unexpected... Uh, what is it? The unintended consequence of making the system less secure. Yeah. Um, there, there's an idea on the idea exchange, which is, uh, uh, let's see, add passkey support for logging in. When was this created? Doesn't say when it was created. Come on. Oh, posted, posted February 6th of, of last year. So a year old, hmm. the person says passkeys are a relatively new technology, which allows users to log in using biometrics, fingerprint, face authentication, whatever on their phone or computer, instead of using passwords, this will make logging in easier, especially for managing multiple Salesforce accounts and having to remember passwords. Yay, yes, because that's a problem for lots of us, right? Um, Salesforce has not chimed in, and it has 300 points, so uh, everyone go vote. Go vote on this. I'm going to put that in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, everyone, this is such a disaster of an episode. Um, I don't think we have to do anything. AI will, will do it all for us. It'll fix it. It'll fix it. It'll fix security for us. You know, Adobe does have like AI stuff for audio, but I think it's just like cleaning audio, not like making you sound smart. (laughs) (laughs) But we're probably not far from that. Mm. Well, um, do you remember what was it about maybe a year ago when all these activist investors started uh, investing in Salesforce and then leveraging their control to get Mm -hmm. Salesforce to do things like lay tens of thousands of people off and cut costs and all that kind of stuff. So starboard was the big one. Um, and they have now trimmed their, their winning stake in Salesforce. Hmm. Like they came, they fixed and now they're out. Quick as that, huh? Yeah. That was quick. And that's why they're rich and I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, I think, um, I think the tech industry got a pretty big wake-up call, and I think these investors who are propping them up for their own gain also got that wake-up call. They were living high on on these fake numbers. What have I been saying? These billion evaluations. What what, what have I been saying for 10 years that would bring, that would not bring this industry down, that would force this industry to reconcile with itself? What did I say? was the event that would would absolutely force that to happen. I don't know. I got to think of bubble bursting, but yeah. Interest rates finally going up. Okay. We were on zero interest rates for over a decade. Well over a decade. I mean, really since 2009, 2010, something like that. This was always going to happen. It was just, it was just when. I think the 
it it took hmm how do i say this and and these companies are still calling themselves family family it took away their justification for what they were doing that's how i want to say that they've always wanted to do this they always wanted to create value out of nothing and be worth billions for nothing uh, about that nothing oh that's not fair the tech industry. There were companies that were calling them tech, com- call themselves tech companies that were not tech. Well, companies. there's probably examples. Yeah, you're. Yeah, okay. There's probably examples. WeWork was considered a tech company. It was evaluated as a tech company. What's well, weird? So everyone became tech companies to the point now that no one's a tech company because tech is just like <laughs> having, you know, plumbing. Yeah. And everyone app. has plumbing. You just have to have an app. Everyone has now. An you're app. a tech company. Everyone has an app. Everyone has a app. website. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's just like. Everyone's a tech company now, so no one's a tech company. Yeah. You finished that beer? Uh, I saved some for you. Okay. Don't I don't know how much I saved for you. No, there's a lot in here. These, these are all <laughs> celestial, right? This is Chaotic Orbit, a hazy India pale ale, exploding with oranges, tangerines, and, and mandarins. What? This beer was crafted to mark the pre- predicted collision of... Of that one part of the Falcon 9 rocket that has been floating in space since 2015. Okay. <laughs> Someone has too much time on their hands. Oh, we got too much space debris on our hands. Too much space? Space debris. Oh, yeah. There are teams dedicated to tracking space debris. Because they have to know where it's at. I think it's all, a lot of it's mainly mapped out, right? Like NASA and all these space agencies, they know, they know where all this junk is. Yeah, they have but it's, to. Of course, it's increasing probably exponentially it all is. the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's all in orbit, zero Sorry, friction. I didn't do a good job of pouring that. So, And it's uh, moving extremely fast. Yeah. So even a small gram of, of something can tear well, like a piece, the space station a piece, apart. A piece of sand would, yeah. could, tear, could blow a hole right through the space station, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. But this is a problem. It is a problem. <laughs> it's a big problem. <laughs> We're soon going to have our own Saturn rings, but it's going to be made up of our trash in space. Yeah. All right, John. Well, what else do we have going on? I don't know how long we've been recording because I keep talking, but I don't know if people want to listen. It's been a while, I think. Um, I do think that the the, com- the companies, especially tech companies, have um, embraced layoffs as a way to lean out, whereas before they were very resistant to it because they wanted to appear, they wanted to appear as if they were growing because that's what Wall Street wanted: grow, 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 keep growing, throw people at the problem. It's Wall Street; they want it until they don't want it, right? But then they learned how profitable they can be if they run leaner, and they're using that tool now. Well, because we were in a growth. It was the growth phase, right? Yeah. Um, the whole ZERP time, that 12 or so years of zero interest means that you needed to grow. It was grow, grow, grow. It was grow, their grow. incentive. Yeah. And now the free money stopped, the cheap money stopped. And so now it's like, okay, well, you're not growing as much. What, now what are you doing for me? Mm-hmm. Well, what can you do? Can you make money? Okay. Well, make money then. Make profit. And that's the phase we're in now. And it's cyclical. It all changes. It comes, sure. It'll come back around. Yeah. I do think that there was a fair amount of probably redundancy, I'll say, 
in, in, in a lot of these tech roles. I mean, some of these people had so much time on their hands, they could TikTok their, TikTok their entire day of how wonderful it was to work at these big companies that give them free coffee, free lunch, free dinner, a, uh, a meditation room, a napping room. <laughs> that's, not, that's not someone who's, who's producing a lot, you know. I'm not saying that's all all of them or everybody, but there there was there was enough of them out there to that it was it was a thing. Yeah. Well, John, do you have any other uh, anything you want to get to? Let's see. Uh, Brett Taylor and longtime Googler uh, Clay Bavar Bavar raised a hundred million dollars for their AI agents. Yeah, we haven't recorded in a while, so that wasn't top of mind. But yeah, that's the thing that happened since we last recorded. It was a a few days ago. Um, Moments after Brett Taylor resigned as CEO of cloud software giant Salesforce, he received a call from an old friend inviting him to lunch. That was this Google guy. Um, They don't have a name for the company yet, though, right? Sierra? Yeah, that's weird, though, because I don't think the Sierra domain is available, and Sierra. there's a ton of companies called Sierra, so I'm wondering if it's just still just that's a... probably Sierra.ai or something like that. I, don't know. Yeah. I think there is a Sierra.ai, though. That's what I'm saying, because I think I looked them up uh, when they did this funding round, because they call themselves Sierra, but they have no artifacts online anywhere. So they're focusing on conversational AI with a focus on business customers. Isn't Salesforce? How's this high conflict of interest? Does he not have a non-compete? <laughs> like it sounds like what Salesforce is doing or trying to. Uh, oh, I doubt it. Yeah. I'm sure he's fine. The AI agents. Remember, correct. Salesforce does does one thing, Jeremy. I know. I know they only do one thing. What is that one thing, John? I don't know. I'm waiting for you to bring yeah. <laughs> the clip. Yeah. yeah. Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. That's all they do. Yeah, so. No conflict, AI? No, no conflict. You know, that's the thing with executives. They can do, kind of do whatever they want. These top-level executives. Must be nice. Yeah. That's okay. I don't know. Maybe that's the whole grass is greener situation. Like, maybe their days really suck. Who knows? I mean. Yeah. Benioff looks like he stress eats. Stress eats. Stress eats or stress drinks. One of the two. I don't, I don't He's not he, looking healthier. I don't think he drinks. No, he's very focused on his health. He told us that last week. Uh, I've seen pictures of him, and they don't. I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah. I mean, or maybe John, I'm projecting because I'm I'm not in a healthy place I was right say, now. I'm not either. And just like us, he's getting older too. Yeah. Just like we're getting older. So, yeah. too many parties with Metallica. I know. Yeah. Crazy. Uh... Although for their age, Metallica looks pretty good. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, they all look good for their age, yeah. Yeah. They needed a drummer, though. (laughs) Poor poor Lars, he just, I don't know. I actually feel bad, something's not right with him. He's not not okay. Mm. I I think some, sorry, I think some people get way too into, they fall into these, these rabbit holes. And it kind of drives them crazy, I think. Who does? Just pe- in general. There, there's a lot of celebrities who have a lot of time on their hands who mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Oh, are like yeah, old yeah, school yeah, celebrities, but you know, you, you know, they're probably just like retired now. Yeah, and they spend a lot of time reading news mm-hmm. and fighting with people on on social media. Yep, it's like it's unhealthy. Yeah, it really is. Like 
get outside, get some yeah. sunshine, go to the park, yeah. walk your dog, go to the beach. Yeah. Start a garden. <laughs> Do something. Um, so we have uh, Trailhead Juno. What's it called? Trailblazer DX? I don't know what it's called nowadays. Trailblazer DX? I think that's the name for it, right? I guess it's a better name because it was always difficult. Trailhead DX. Trailhead DX. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, Trailblazer DX. And it's uh, coming up here in March. I know a lot of people are going. I'm, it looks like I'm probably going to go. I mean, I'm booked and I bought, I bought a plane ticket, which is not cancelable. So I'm probably going. Um, I got a bit of FOMO. For even sure. though I'll probably, I might have to work the whole time I'm there. <laughs> but <laughs> that's okay. Um, I'm glad I'm not going because I have too much going on right now. I have a huge Q1 initiative that has to get done. The same way, man. But uh, we are uh, working on a meetup, I think. I'm guessing it'll be... I mean, there's... So, just in the Slack and the con- conversations conversations channel, that's where we're talking about this. So, if you're interested, um, check out the channel. It's in our Slack, by the way, which you can get to by going to www.gooddayserpodcast.com and you click on community. But I think we're thinking... Like the, when is, is it Wednesday and Thursday? Let's see. Trail Blazer DX. Uh, March 6th through 7th. What what days are that? What day is that? That's Wednesday and Thursday. So I think we're thinking Thursday night, like that last, the, the second day, the last day. Mm-hmm. We'll get together like whenever sessions end or whatever. Um, we, we've got a couple of places we're looking at. Um, our friend David is uh, kind of putting some suggestions out there, so I think we'll probably maybe vote or figure this out. But anyway, yeah, check check in on uh, conversations. We'll do a meetup. Those are always fun. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll print a big poster of John's head and hang it up there <laughs> while we're there so John can be there in spirit. That that's equivalent. Everybody, yeah, there's everybody, not much going on. Everybody here. always asks me about you, John. Always asks. I don't really exist. I'm an AI pod. I you kind of don't. You, I think you, you know, as much as you say that AI is not going to take anything over, I think AI is taking you over. You don't even exist anymore. I it's don't. Just, it's just AI. This is fight. This is Jeremy's Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what you, else? You've seen that movie? You get the reference, right? I, well, I, I have seen Fight Club, but I don't. I didn't get it's how the that same applies. Person. Oh, both yeah. characters were the yeah. same person. Yeah. Sorry, spoilers. Yeah. No, never mind. That's I mean, been long enough. It's, it's tw- been long 25 enough. 25 year old movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? It's, speaking of Brad Pitt, a movie I didn't see, I didn't even realize it was a Western. It makes me want to go back and watch it. Legend of the Fall or Falls. Did you ever see I've Legend? heard of it, but I've never seen was that, it. Was that supposed to be good? I don't know. Um, I was looking for my, you know, my dad. My dad. Wasn't was it like a romance? Cowboy uh, was romance? It, thing? Was it a romance? Maybe it was. Brad Pitt was doing a ton of romance movies for a while. Maybe there. so. Maybe this is not the movie I thought it was. But I was um, looking into westerns for my dad because my dad just sits around and watch westerns nowadays. I like westerns, and I'm going to get him hooked up with like an Apple TV and like Netflix and everything because mm-hmm. there's like there's so many like better westerns than what he has access to. Oh, was it Paramount that has the whole 1882 or the whole Yellowstone series yeah, and all that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Legends Legends of the Fall. Is an epic Western drama. Is it? Is it just a romance thing? I thought it was supposed to be a legit movie. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, Hollywood treats drama as um, relationship problems. 
Legends of the Fall. Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins, too. What is it? A 7.5 on IMDb. That's 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 not too shabby. Um anyway. All right, John. What else? How do we wrap this show up? How do we end this thing? Now let's put this thing out of its misery, okay? <laughs> Uh, join our Slack. You didn't mention that, I did, did you? I did. Oh, you yeah, did. I did. I'm so I did this, off. This is like, we have an email address, info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Um, you can send a sticker request, send us your address if you want stickers mailed to you. I will get a batch out before Trailhead, Trailblazer DX, so get your requests in soon. Um, and I'm very backed up, so everyone who's requested over the past, I don't even want to say how long. I have stickers printed out, our address labels printed out already with your name on them. They will be arriving. If you've moved, then I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's happened to me a couple of times. I get return <laughs> return stickers because <laughs> people have moved. I'm like, hey, did you? Yeah, I got your stickers back. Like, yeah, they're like, yeah, I moved a year and a half ago. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, well, maybe they can just track you down in person then. But also, are you going to have um, some stickers with you? We, you, you know what? We don't. Uh, I, I really, I, I'm going to put a call out uh, to the to the community because. We used to get more community uh, input on topics and questions <clears> and stuff. <throat> like, let's get those going again. So, please, everyone. Uh, maybe we're just killing you with our topics. Maybe they enjoy what we say. But if you got an idea f- uh, for topics, or something you want us to cover or talk about, um, info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, see if uh, – get up – go to um, modernpodcastapps.com. If you don't already have one, get a podcast app and see if um, I want to see like a streaming sats or a boost come in or something. See if you can hook up to that. I mean, I'm not trying to like raise money for us. I just want people to get on board with this whole. Mm. It's a, such a better way to support creators. It's direct. No one's taking a 30% cut. None of that bullshit. Are we creators? We are. We don't create anything very good, but we create stuff. Mm. Cringe. Yeah, yeah. But get a get a new and for every platform, like get a go. Get yourself an app that supports these things. Get yourself a Jeremy's in the red on all the beer. A we wallet, drink, like so. a lightning wallet, set up yeah. and and start getting involved. Like support support stuff. And it's just like it's super small amounts. Like I stream. I think it's like a dollar an hour or whatever. This is what I'm streaming to like podcasts I listen to. There's only the ones that support it. And there are there's. I'm actually surprised because like on Castomatic. When you're listening to a podcast that does support it, it shows mm-hmm. up. It's like, oh, here's your value, value for value, and here's what you're streaming per hour. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know this podcast supported that until I set up my until I got set up, set up my wallet and Castomatic, mm-hmm. and now it shows me. I'm like, oh, huh, I didn't realize they even, did. you know, it's sometimes surprising. I mean, obviously, like no agenda and like, oh, Coder Radio was the name of that. It was uh, Chris Fisher's, by the way, that I couldn't think of. No, I don't think um, I listened to that one. No. But there's some other ones I can't think of right now, but I'm like, oh, I'm so, I, I would have never guessed that they are set up with this, but they are. And so when I listen to their podcast, it's just streaming them, you know, like a dollar an hour or whatever. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like the same thing. If like you're, it's cheaper than a movie too. But I, I don't know. I just really believe in this, uh, this type of economy. Podcasting too. It's, I, I, I don't know if it's just like a nerd thing with me or what right now, or if it's something a fad that I'll just be like later. I'll be like, yeah, whatever. But I think right now, I think it's very cool. It's just, it's like I said, it's still very nascent and it's, it's, it's early. To, yeah, yeah, it's, early it seems, still yeah. seems cutting edge. Like it seems, it seems too hard, to, honestly, to get kind of set up. And and you know, once 
Spotify or Apple or one of these big ones or Google like incorporates it, makes it easy to get it like establish a wallet and then every other then that'll be like but until then like we need early adopters to like go out and get yourself a a competent podcast app, get yourself a lightning wallet set up and commit to streaming, you know, it could be 10 cents an hour, doesn't matter. The the amount doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like just getting set up with this system. So we can like get this economy going. And I have no, again, I have no stake in it whatsoever. I don't talk to any of these guys. I'm not involved in this at all. I just think it's really cool. And it could just be the nerd in me. Like I think the technology is cool. I'm not sure, but I really, I think I believe in like the, what I can do economically and how Mm -hmm. it's a better, more direct way to support. Cause I'm always, I've always been about support directly supporting people that produce stuff. I like independent. I really like supporting independent stuff. I've always done that. Yeah, I think this is just like such a great way to do that. Well, I mean, the alternative is ad supports, and that, that it's such an iffy, it's, it's, it's such an iffy such thing. Garbage! It's yeah. garbage! It's garbage! All those YouTubers that have egg on their face for doing the "Be a Lord" <laughs> campaign that, that was out. Oh, that. there was some company that sold people on on uh, buying a one by one square foot of land so they could be considered a lord or lady oh, by Scottish tradition. <laughs> which is obviously a gag gift, but, but they advertise it as if it was a factual thing that you could actually become a Lord or lady. <laughs> is that like, um, um, it walks in. No, Lord is, Ross. Is, no, is that like registering, <laughs> um, naming a star and yes, in, in registering very with much the, so with like the registry of stars. Like someone owns that. Yeah. <laughs> that was, do you remember that? Yes. I think that I bet people, I bet they're still taking people's money for that. You can, you too can name a star yeah. after your, you know, after your dad or your daughter or whatever. See that star, son, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got my name on it. Yep. I'm going to go there someday. Yeah. <laughs> Let's sit down on my star. <laughs> your star may Of course, not... the fact that the star is projecting light probably means that you can't land there. Yeah. And that star may not be as hospitable as yeah. what you think it might be. So. <laughs> All right, John, what else? What are we forgetting? Um, is that it? We good? I think so. All right. Well, you can take us out then. Well, and to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.